Closer to spring training, getting closer to our positional previews. Today we're going to debate a couple of elite players and some uh, not quite elite players. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on February 1st. It's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris on a beautiful Kokomo Friday. How's your Kokomo Friday, guys? Was that your intro? (laughs) Yeah, the intros are usually pretty good, man. Uh, who is that? Uh, Keith, who, Keith is so proud of himself right now. <laughs> well, actually, it was Chris's idea, uh, perfectly executed by Lucas, who is here for Take Your Child to Work Day, which we are observing today. So uh, he's going to join us on the podcast. Awesome. Yes, Lucas will be joining us in, in a little bit after we debate Jose Altuve versus Francisco Lindor. We'll also get into a couple of rankings debates, Jake Bowers and Trevor Bauer. And uh, Scott's tiers are out and available, so we'll talk about some starting pitcher tiers. Also, did the Diamondbacks find their new closer? And uh, more of who is this year's, continuing from from uh, Wednesday's show. Um, hey, I'm going to forget to ask, who do you guys like in the Super Bowl? What do you mean by like? Yeah, there's there's no... Who's going to win? No, who's going to win? There's an obvious answer. The obvious answer of who's going to win is the Patriots, because that's what they do. Not according to the me The obvious answer of who you're pulling for is the Rams, because they're not the Patriots. Well, Heath and I think the Rams are going to win. No. So, there's that. Okay. I I only think what I like. Who does and Lucas so. think is going to win? Ram, yeah. Rams. Rams. Okay, good. Three to two. All right, let's... Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I did a Twitter poll yesterday. Who would you rather have, Jose Altuve or Francisco Lindor? Uh, Altuve got 45% of the vote. Lindor got 55% of the vote. Who would you guys rather have, Altuve or Lindor? Lindor. Lindor. But I I I have Lindor ranked higher. I would prefer to have Lindor. I really want to say Altuve. I, I because feel I do like, feel like yeah. there's a little bit of well, sure, Lindor was better last year. I think exactly. there is a little bit of people think Jose Altuve is like thirty five years old. Well he is like, that he's feels four like years how people older. Are, he's he's what? Four years older than Lindor. He's twenty nine right, and Lindor's twenty five. He's twenty nine. It's it, like it might just be done, but this was arguably the the best, like no question, top three fantasy player for the previous four years before this. Uh, and then he has one bad half season, and we're just we're done. Jose yeah, Altuve well, is, done. his name is Mud. He's going like eighth. I don't sure, <laughs> sure we're done with his him. His name is Mud, and he plays the most shallow non-catcher position in baseball. Yeah, I've actually. I mean, I, I I take Lindor just because I think the the stats are too obvious that he's you know after after Trout, Betts, and and Ramirez, it, it's hard to make an argument against taking him. But I have become more optimistic about Altuve, uh, reading more about what he was dealing with in the second half, which the Astros kept under wraps at the time, it was so it was harder to explain what was going on. Well, he was playing through a fractured kneecap which seems like a pretty severe injury. He's had it surgically repaired since. All of his numbers basically dropped. It wasn't just the steals. The steals are what 
I, I was mostly harping on because he needs to be a top base dealer to be that valuable. Uh, but it was pretty much his numbers across the board declined over those final three months. It, yeah, I, I, I think the probability of him bouncing back to normal, normal Jose Altuve production is pretty high. Uh, yeah, he's 15th in NFBC ADP overall. He's 15th since the start of January. 15th. Yeah, that's not My good. goodness. That's, that's obvious crazy. value. I, I thought I was lowballing him at 8th. I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, plan, I haven't done it yet, but I need to move him up to like 6th. I, I think I'll put him behind those top four in Arenado just because Arenado's so safe, but then Altuve. Like, I'm sorry. Javier Baez is going ahead of him. That's ridiculous. That Javier Baez, like, even if you buy Javier Baez, what he did last year was basically just Jose Altuve, but with 20 points of batting average lob, lopped off. So are we in agreement that the first three picks in some order are Trout, Betts, uh, Jose Ramirez? I, I think so, though. I've, I've seen some... People on you know fantasypros.com obviously compares different uh, people across the industry their rankings. I've seen a lot of people have Lindor actually third instead of fourth. But yeah. I, for me, it's it's a clear top three with Ramirez in there. There's there's too many tiers there in ADP. Trout is one point one five. Bats is one point eight seven. Ramirez is four point three nine. Lindor is four point seven seven. Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got it. Bats Trout Ramirez Lindor Altuve. Like I think those are the top five. Yeah, and it's just Lindor is is interesting because you know he's a two seventy hitter, right? Two seventy five, and where are the steals? The twenty five he had last year, the fifteen he had the year before. If you compare him to Altuve, Altuve's going to beat him in batting average. If he's right, he's going to beat him in steals. Runs and RBIs combined are, are probably going to be pretty similar. Lindor's not a huge run uh, run uh, RBI guy because he leads off. Um, and then it comes down to will Altuve. I'm sorry, no, you know Lindor is going to beat him in home runs, but will Altuve get back to being a 30 steal guy? So I just thought it was kind of interesting that that's not even a debate, and I think it should be. And Arenado should be in there too. And I looked at their fantasy points for Altuve, Lindor, and Arenado in their two best seasons. And at their peak, all of them, their best best season was between 620.5 and 628.5. So, you know, all three of them at their best have been basically the same. Um, Altuve has, you know, the higher average uh, in terms of his two best fantasy point seasons. Last question, though. Lindor did show improvement from his breakout 2017 to his amazing 2018 season when he finished as the number three hitter in points, number four in Roto. Are we sure we've seen the best from Francisco Lindor? Because I, I think his walk rate went up. And his runs went up by 30, and but his steals went up. And in the second half of the year, he actually ran a lot. Um, so anyway, do you think that there's even more for Francisco Lindor to get to? It's unlikely we've seen the very, very best season from Francisco Lindor at 25. Or 24, really. Yeah. Just as a, just talking probability, like you, we haven't seen that, that, 2018 Mookie Betts season where everything comes together for him in the right way at the right time. Yeah, you were kind of harping on batting average, but we haven't seen from Lindor the outlier Babbitt season. He's actually kind of a he hardly strikes out at all for a power hitter. So he's you know because he's so fly ball focused, the Babbitt tends to be below average. Uh, but I I think there's a good luck season. Someday that's going to happen where that bad bip is closer to like 320 and, and he's 
a five category performer. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Heath, bring your kid to work today. Yeah, I think we need to have him uh, do a little bit of work on the uh, podcast. So I'm just going to ask him a couple of quick questions so he can go back to school and say he did something. (laughs) Lucas, who is your favorite baseball team? The Royals. Perfect answer. Perfect answer. Who is your favorite baseball player? Salvador Perez. (laughs) Okay. Excellent. Who do you think is the best player in baseball? Aaron Judge. Oh, really? Okay, so that was terrible. Um, (laughs) I'm going to give you a C- on this performance because two of the answers were outstanding. One of them was awful. Um, Do you have anything else that you would like to say to our wonderful listeners? Greg Bird is terrible. Thank you very much, Lucas. I thought you were going to ask him who's your least favorite team, and I, I think I know what the answer would have been to that one. Um, but anyway, thank you, Lucas Cummings, for coming on. Good stuff. Man, Enjoy you, your day you at the raz office. your son just like you do us. Yeah. yeah I'm trying awesome. to prepare him for the real, real world. <laughs> the real uh, world of, I mean, full you, of Heath Cummings. Is, do you think there's a single person Heath Cummings wouldn't raz? I, I thought his own flesh of blood. I mean, no, maybe, maybe he'd have oh, a softer oh, touch. Oh, naive. Scott, yes. <laughs> you beautiful newborn baby. <laughs> Uh, let's uh, let's get into some rankings debates with Jake Bowers and Trevor Bauer and Bowers. There you go, Scott. You like that quote, right? That, that what clip? is that from? What I thought you were that's Bowers. Nobody knows that oh, baseball I know movie. You, I know it's you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Little Big League. Yeah, the Little Big League. Water right. balloon scene. Ah. Bowers is the best character in that. He's movie. awesome. Yeah, he's awesome. And, yeah. Uh, Jake Bowers is uh, 27th at first base for Scott, 13th for Heath. Go. Didn't we already debate him? Did I guess we? that was a Chris host. Oh, crap. Defense. All right, all right. Trevor well, Bowers. You know, a lot of people didn't hear that podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do oh, it again. Sorry. Whatever. I'm disappointed Scott hasn't moved him up yet. Well,. I'm really disappointed you haven't moved him down yet. Well, <laughs> now now we're all disappointed. All right, so tell us what you like. <laughs> and Lucas is disappointed that Adam didn't listen to our podcast while he wasn't here and doesn't know what we talked about. I think I did, actually. That's the bad thing. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. All right, we'll make this one quick then. Go ahead on Jake Bowers. He hits the ball really hard. He walks at a very high rate. He doesn't hit the ball very he hard. He hit the ball hard last year. His hard hit percentage was okay. It was good. Very good. It was forty percent, but that is well above average. He had a four point one percent barrel rate according to Baseball Savant, and I didn't say he barrels the ball often. Hold on, and he had an average exit velocity of eighty six point eight miles per hour, which was tied with Austin Jackson, Nicky Delmonico, Leonis Martin, and Dansby Swanson for two hundred and thirty third. He hit the ball base- hard very often. I, sh- I will correct the way that I phrased that statement, Chris. 40% is not often now? What, what, what are we using as a barometer for a good hard contact rate? Now? He was 242nd in percentage of batted balls hit 95 miles this per hour. This is the more. worst, the most, the nerdiest, lamest oh, argument ever. I'm sorry ever. we're giving you good information OMG. for your podcast, Adam. Oh, boy. Wow. I, I, this is why I didn't listen to that first one. Well, let me, maybe I could pull it out of the muck a little because he Bowers, when he first came up that first uh, month and a half, he did hit the ball really hard. I, I was just as excited about it as Heath was. And then it all fell apart. 
Uh, I think the fact that the Rays gave up on him, one of their top prospects for several years in a row, and, and I think we would all look at that trade where the best player they got was Yandy Diaz and be like, what are you thinking? Uh, I mean, the Rays are a smart organization. Well, I think and, Diaz uh, is interesting, too, to a lot of people. Not to you. You dislike him far more than the industry does. I, I mean, he was not near the prospect Bowers was. I think that's fair to say. I, I look at his projections, and they've all got him somewhere around 17 to 20 home runs, 10 to 15 stolen bases. Diaz? Bowers. Oh, Bowers. Okay. And, and look, that's, that's fine. Like, I, don't, I don't dislike Bowers. I, right. I, think, I think there is a um, – I, I think his pure hitting skills are above average. Uh, but I think the upside is something like Eric Hosmer, and we're just talking about upside from a guy who hardly showed any of that upside in his rookie season, and it's still, you know, fringe mixed league upside. He also struck out. He strikes out a lot. Yeah. A lot? He struck out 26% of the time. He, he did he, not strike out a lot in the minors. Right, but that's maybe he was exposed. He had a contact rate in the Jay Bruce Ian Desmond Scott Kingery range at 72%. He was 197th. Out of 247 players. All of the projection systems have him right around 22%, 23% strikeout rate. So an improvement in that area. I would expect that as well. And listen, first base is not very deep anymore. And yeah. so I would rather have Jake Bowers than someone like Ian Desmond. But it's Jake Bowers versus... Okay, I mean, Jake Dow- Ian Desmond in a, in a outside of a Roto League, I think that makes sense. But, you know, I, I have... Like, guys I have ahead of Bowers... Are like Peter Alonzo, who obviously has a ton of power upside. We don't know when he's going to get a job, but it'll happen at some point. Brandon Belt, Josh Bell. I think, I, I think those are the kinds of players. Josh uh, Bell had a really interesting second half too. Yeah, I think those are the kinds of players Bowers full is aspiring to be. Generally, more. And Jake Bowers' full season statistics were terrible. <laughs> they weren't good. He had some bad luck. Like you have him ahead of Matt Luck. Uh, who's been good in the majors? You have him ahead of Miguel and was Cabrera. A similar prospect. Yeah, you have ahead of Miguel. Way too low. You have you have Jake Bowers ahead of Miguel Cabrera. All right, all right. So twenty uh, seventh is way too low. Fourteenth is way too high, apparently. And now we move on from Jake Bowers to Trevor Bauer. And look, it's not that big of a difference, but when you're talking about the elite pitchers, Scott has Trevor Bauer eighth. Heath has him eleventh in points, twelfth in roto. Heath would take Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, and Carlos Carrasco over Trevor Bauer. And Scott would not take Garrett Cole, Clayton Kershaw, and Carlos Carrasco over Trevor Bauer. So both of you are clearly bought into him. But, Scott, you're a little higher on Trevor Bauer. You have him eighth. Yeah, and I'm not super comfortable with it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, it's it's mostly because I, I think he was the best last year. And, like, if he didn't get hurt at the end of the season, he he may have won the Cy Young Award. He, he was, I think he was the front runner at the time. Uh, and it's, it's also an instance where... I, I think there are clear shortcomings for Garrett Cole, namely the way the Astros handled him in the second half, frequently pulling him earlier than you normally see an ace pulled from a game. Um, I, I, I just, I think, I think Bowers, if you buy into the breakthrough completely, and I understand he's had a pretty lengthy career where he was nowhere close to that good, but if you buy into it, he seems safer to me. Uh, in terms of how the Indians are going to employ him. And Scott, you said, uh, you meant to say Bauer, but instead you just said, Bowers! With yeah. an S at the end, so my bad. Yeah, we were just talking about Bowers, and now we're going to Bowers. <laughs> I think he got a little bit lucky 
in terms of home runs last year. He's probably got three quarter. I mean, he, I think he, as opposed to a sub three ERA guy, he's probably more like a three and a quarter guy. Probably has close to a run of regression coming. His Sierra last year was right around three point two. He's very, very, very good. I don't know that he's going to be a top ten pitcher again. I this this might be stupid, but I feel like Trevor Bauer is such like a galaxy brain thinker. And he's always trying to tinker with everything that like there's a chance he just like tinkers his way out of being good again. Yeah. I mean, we've seen Joey Votto. Joey Votto kind of did that last year, right? Like is he's kind of the. Yeah. And I just like there's also the fact that like last year, a large part of his improvement was the introduction of that slider uh, that he modeled after, you know, Corey Kluber and Marcus Stroman sliders. Um, the league didn't see it coming. Yeah, but but that, that happened in 2017. But that happened in 2017 for Trevor Bauer, and then he finished 2017 with just you know a brilliant stretch, and then he you know carried it no, into 2016. The slider was introduced last spring. No, the the slider he started throwing it more. I thought at the end of the 2017, he started season. throwing a slider in 2017, but he put work in in the off season to develop a distinctive different version of the slide well it worked i mean he finished with a 242 era in his last 12 starts 13 games 12 starts in 2017 and then last year 221 era only nine home runs as heath mentioned in 175 in a third inning so that that's gonna go up but um yeah i uh, well so chris you're saying all this do you not think trevor bauer is a top 12 pitcher we both have him in the top 12 no, yeah, i, I think chris he's definitely in that range but I'm probably I, like similarly with Blake Snell I, and Patrick Corbin. I'm just less likely to buy into the one year super breakout um, just because there are guys who have done it before. All right. Well, let's get into Scott's starting pitcher tiers then. <clears throat> and uh, we'll, we'll, of course, do this with our position preview in a few weeks. But, you know, Scott, do you do you right now have a philosophy of I'd like to get blank of my top blank starting pitchers? I would like to get three of my top, um, I think about 20 starting pitchers. It's not an exact number, but around that. My, my first three tiers, I'd like to get three of those pitchers. Okay. Anybody else have a philosophy? Three out of the top 20? Obviously not every team in your league is going to be able to do that. I would extend that number to 24, and in Roto, I'd be fine with two of them. Okay, two in Roto. Chris, any preference? Not really. I'm still experimenting. So you're, this, is, this is spring training time. I, yeah. I'm still trying to figure out what approach in drafts works best. So, Scott, you're not including Jamison Tyone, Jose Barrios, Mike Clevenger in that group that you want to get three of. Uh, ideally, well, no, Mike Clevenger, I do have in that group. Okay. I, I have him tiered, him tiered separately from those other two. Uh, you know, and I'm sure there will be drafts. Uh, there probably already have been drafts where I fall short of getting three, and uh, the, I settle for a Tyone or, or Barrios type as my third starting pitcher. And I don't think it's terrible. It's just not what I'd prefer to do. I'm feeling very trolled by the fact that both of you have uh, Tyone and Barrios right next to each other when I was clearly proved correct. About Tyone being I have Tyone ahead of Barrios. It makes you feel better. <laughs> I'm just it's it's a it's a personal attack on me, and I will not stand for we it. We also have a new rule for mock drafts that any time Jose Barrios or Jamison Tyone is taken a draft, 
the next person must be taken next. Even though Jameson Tyone is clearly better? I would not say that he is clearly better. He's clearly better. Chris, if we could go back to a nickname you had last year and make you ADP boy. Yeah. Uh, if we want to get three of the top 20 to 24 starting pitchers, how deep into the draft are we talking? Let me pull it up right now. I have one more name while, while ADP boy is looking that up. Okay. Is Madison Bumgarner in that in those three tiers? He is not. He is the first name outside of those three tiers. He's also on my bust list, so I tiered him hoping not to get him. So the 22nd starting pitcher currently being drafted in NFBC drafts is going off the board at Zach Ranky, which seems like great value, and he's mm-hmm. going off the board at 66th overall. Yep. So that's three of your first five, maybe six, but probably six. five. Like yeah, I, I'm probably not going to do three of my first five. So if that's the way the draft unfolds, right. probably not going to happen for me. But three well, of my first six, certainly three of my first seven. I think I'd the be hope, happy with that. Yeah, the hope is that some of the guys that you have in your top three tiers, Scott, super elite, elite, and near elite, um, aren't ranked that way and by others and aren't drafted that way, and you can wait until like round seven to get Mike Clevenger or something like that. And still- well, that certainly sounds like the case with Granke himself, who I have... Um, I have him in uh, among the elite, so he's, you know, he's he's in that same tier as Bauer and Cole. He terrifies uh, one me. Thing, one thing that I've thought with starting pitcher, though, and I don't know if you agree with this guy. If I only get two of those guys, I'm I don't necessarily want to take my number twenty six, like David Price or somebody just outside of that top that those group in the seventh round. If I only get two of those guys i'm just gonna wait and i'm gonna stockpile hitters and then i'm going to add a bunch of upside pitchers to yeah the group. i i would say looking at adp right now i'm i start to get uncomfortable right around 25 because the 23rd starting pitcher off the board is jose barrios 24th is michael Fultonevich. 25th is herman marquez i don't want mike Fultonevich this season i do want herman marquez so that yeah. and that's right around 85th overall. So that's where, like, if I can get two or three guys in that in the first seven rounds, then I feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, Marquez is somebody I want to this year, and I actually have him in that group of 20 or so that I want three of. So that's that's an opportunity where uh, I would be able to get him later than um, you know la- later than than uh, if you were just applying. ADP to my tiers, uh, you might think that now, makes sense. Now, can we skip? Can, you know, we don't have to, obviously, but if you feel good about the first three pitchers you took, can you skip the next like four rounds of starting pitchers? You can skip the next ten rounds. I of starting would, I probably will. Yeah, right. We have yeah, we sort of have a, a similar. We, we fall fall into a similar philosophy, and it doesn't always play out that way. You know, if you get hitter value, then things change. But um, well, the, the thing is, like. There are starting pitchers like Robbie Ray, Chris Archer, Madison Bumgarner that could be very good that are going to go later in those next four you, rounds. You Darvish is a guy I'm drafting a lot. But I would rather wait until the 11th, 12th, 13th round and take guys like Nick Pavetta, like John Gray, like Luis Castillo. I think Luis Castillo, funnily enough, is going 112th. Um, I think the best value in ADP right now is Carlos Martinez at 127. Oh my gosh. Re- that, there's that, no I mean, way he's lasting that long. He shouldn't go that late in head-to-head leagues for sure. Yeah. Um yeah. 
But this was a guy that we were taking the fourth round last year, right? Yeah, what's wrong with Carlos Martinez? I mean, he was he was pitching hurt. Uh, he should, yeah, I completely agree. That's amazing. I, I got I would, him 67th in Roto. Yeah, I would take him there. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't, oh, 67th, yeah. wait, wait, wait. You have 67th overall or 67th starting pitcher? 67th overall. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, and and for, so when I look at it, like, if I can get two of the top 24 and then wait, you know, those guys are going, what was it, 67th or something? Um, and then I can wait until like the 120 range to take uh, my next pitcher. I'm fine with that because then you're looking at guys like Luis Castillo, Robbie Ray, Charlie Morton, uh, Carlos Martinez, who all have ace upside. I I don't I just don't think Carlos Martinez is actually going to. Your point is still valid even if he's not there, but I don't feel like when we really are drafting in like a month that Carlos Martinez is really going 120th. The that's air has crazy. completely gone out of Chris Archer's sales also. He's yeah, that's, that's, that's silly too. Yeah, I mean, they're they're both in that same tier as uh, as Tyone and Barrios, and that's that's why to Heath's, the point Heath was saying, well, if you miss out on those top 20, are you still going to take Tyone and Barrios in round seven? I mean, that's a 13-pitcher tier, so probably not. I mean, the idea behind tiers is you wait till the tier is on the verge of completion to jump in there and take your guy. And I don't, yeah, I would just, it might be Carlos Martinez. Yeah. I think the only difference that we have is I would just put Tyone and Brios in the tier above. Okay. I do love how Chris Archer's had an ERA over four, three straight seasons. And some people act like he's really good. I don't know. No one's in terms, in terms of where he ranked among starting pitchers. Yes. ERA was, not ERA his strong matters. It does matter. But he was, he was pitching a ton of innings. He was getting a crap ton of strikeouts. Yeah. No, he, you're right. He was still ranked, ranked high. Uh, look, I, I mean, I'm always the low guy on Chris Archer, and I would be thrilled to take him in the 130 range because I, I still feel like there's a possibility that just getting out of the NL East could revive him a little bit. He was so bad at Boston, at the Yankees, at Baltimore even. I'm not, I don't remember Toronto, but he was bad on the road in the, in the AL East. So I'm even hoping, that, but it just didn't play out last year. Even if that doesn't happen, he's a value at 130. Yeah, I I agree. I agree because he will strike out a bunch of guys. Um, uh, but, honestly, his his September was pretty good. He he started to show signs of turning around. Then it didn't happen the moment he joined the Pirates, but it the the, the finish was strong. Yeah. No, I just more just want to point out that he's you know not that great, but yeah, you know. Okay, so thank you for Scott's starting pitcher tiers. Um, we will have plenty of your emails, by the way, at the end of the show. Not just the end of the show, because we've got to spend a lot of time on emails. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We're getting a ton of them, and uh, I appreciate that. So keep them coming. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Quick news and notes. The Rockies signed Nolan Arenado to a one-year, $26 million deal. He will be a free agent after this season, unless they extend his contract. The Diamondbacks signed Greg Holland to a one-year $3.25 million deal. He can earn another $3.5 million in incentives. Uh, does Greg Holland have a chance to be the Diamondbacks' closer? I think there's definitely a chance. I mean, they didn't want Archie Bradley doing it last year, and well, turns out Archie Bradley didn't have such a great year either. Uh, you look at what Holland did during after joining the Nationals. The walks were high, but they were they were high even in his best years with the Royals too. Uh, I I think I, I I might even I might even consider him the favorite. Yeah, that those three point five million in incentives. I haven't seen what the incentives actually are, but that tells me that they want to give him a chance to earn the job. And yeah. they're 
I, I would assume those are based on the number of games he finishes and saves. And just to refresh everyone's memory, he had 2016 he missed with Tommy John. 2017 he signs with the Rockies, was an all-star, had a 156 ERA in his first 42 appearances. Then he had this terrible eight-appearance eight stretch with a 19.89 ERA, and then he got back on track with a 169 ERA in his last 11 appearances. So he was mostly great in 2017. For whatever reason, he didn't get signed until March. He must have been a qualifying offer guy. I don't know. Mar- March 31st. I think it was opening day. Yeah, opening he day he yeah. got signed uh, last year. Was terrible with St. Louis. Had so almost bad. an ADRA and then was great with the Nationals. Sub-1 ERA, 25Ks, and 21 and a third. So I found two of the incentives. He gets $1 million for appearing in 60 games, $1 million for finishing 45 games. Uh, well, okay. All right. Shohei Otani won't be ready for opening day. Ugh. Yeah, that was that. That's bad news. Very. So what? What's his draft value? What's Shohei Otani's draft value? What's his ADP? ADP boy. I was never wanting him before. I'm not ADP boy, but I was never wanting him before like round fifteen uh, anyway, because I feel like it's going to be less than. Even when he's back, it's going to be less than every day because he's still going to be throwing. He's still going to need to rest, let that elbow rest from time to time. Uh, so, and he's DH only. I I don't know that that's so, that's so far down the draft already. I don't know that I'm that motivated to downgrade him from there because when he does play, you're still talking about potentially five category production. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean it's it's not good news. We don't know exactly what the timetable is. It could mean he's there the third week of April, but opening day, I, I think a lot of people were hoping for that. So his ADP in the month of January was one twenty seven. Over the last two weeks, it's only fallen to one thirty. No way. Yeah, both are still higher than I take him. It's Shohei Otani, who you'll be drafting and putting in a DL slot. And Scott mentioned the five categories. Yeah, he, I mean, he showed after he stopped pitching, he stole nine bases in 13 attempts in 70 games. So, okay, he's not going to... I saw many evaluators claim... Uh, I, I don't know if it was he's the fastest player in baseball or among them, but that is not a part of his skill set that's gotten a lot of attention. Right. He runs fast. Yeah, he's really good. But he had a 654 OPS against lefties, so maybe they would sit him against lefties, which they did for much of last season. Not down the stretch, though. Um, Bryce Harper met with the Padres, and the Astros signed Wade Miley to a one-year deal worth $4.5 million. Can the Astros turn Wade Miley into a fantasy-relevant starting pitcher? I mean, my my reaction to this is less enthusiasm about Miley than disappointment that we won't see both Josh James and, and Framber Valdez in the Astros rotation. Josh James... I love as I think we all do, and Valdez, I, I, I think has a, a chance to be kind of a poor man's Dallas Keuchel. Um, but I, just given their history, the fact that they wanted Miley, it, it does raise an eyebrow. Yeah, I, I just have a hard time seeing anything there. Okay, I don't know. He, he's not good. Um, there's not any chance that this could push Colin McHugh back to the bullpen, right? I don't think. I mean, they pretty much flatly said he's he's a starting pitcher again. So, I I wouldn't say never with the Astros, but it. uh, I I, I'm I'm penciling him in. I I think I can speak for everybody 
when I say that Wade Miley's about fifth on the list of Houston Astros we'd like to see start. <laughs> yeah. In terms of guys that aren't in that top three that they've cemented. Yeah. yeah like, he, I, I'd rather yeah. see McHugh. I'd rather see Peacock. I'd rather see James. I'd rather see Valdez. Forrest Whitley. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Forrest Whitley. Uh, who was the top prospect from oh, a couple oh, years Oh, yeah. Ago? Francis Martez. Yeah, he's Mar- still around. He still throws hard. That's his name, right? Francis yeah. Francis Martez. Yeah, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. I don't know if he's going to be ready for spring. I'm not. I'm honest. I have no idea. But yeah, he's still he's still there. Yeah, Wade Miley had a miraculous season last year, 257 ERA, uh, 123 ERA in the postseason, and he did that with 50 strikeouts and 80 and two-thirds. So just didn't give up a lot of hits, but we are not believing in Wade Miley. All right, we're going to get more into who is this year's fill-in-the-blank, and then your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com right after this. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. So who is this year's Joey Votto? Votto was arguably the biggest bust in fantasy last year uh, who didn't get injured. He did get injured, but he was a huge bust uh, aside from that. Who do you think could be this year's craptastic player, Joey Votto? Ozzy Albies. Oh, really? He was kind of craptastic or fully craptastic in the second half last year. Yeah, and he's going in the fifth round still. It sounds like his best case scenario is hitting sixth in the order to start the year, which is going to hurt his run production. I'm not sure he's going to try to steal very many bases from lower in the order, and there's a chance he hits even worse than that. I... Can I go with a player who I think is like we're not going with like an old guy who breaks down, right? It, no injuries. Okay. Can I can I go with I, I'm going to go with a player who I think is really good and will be really good, Ronald Acuna. He's moving up to like fifth or sixth in ADP over the last couple of weeks. That's just not in the spirit the, of of Joey the Braves. Votto. What? That's just not like <laughs> that's not in the spirit of the Joey Votto Award. I mean, if he finishes like 28th, he's going to be one of the biggest busts in fantasy. It's not craptastic, though. Yeah. I, I'm act- this is the second straight podcast where Chris has made a um, 
anti-Acuna argument. And I'm glad I'm not alone in it because I was beginning to feel alone within the industry. The biggest thing, and I looked it up yesterday, Heath made fun of me, but in the uh, Brad Snitker era for the the Atlanta Braves, they have only had one player attempt more than 18... Actually, the most stolen bases that have been attempted outside of either the leadoff spot or the second spot was 18. The most attempted out of the second spot in the lineup was 24. They basically, like, something like 40% of their total stolen base attempts have come from the leadoff spot over the last three years. Now, that could be personnel, but Acuna only attempted, I think, one steal outside of the leadoff spot or two. Hmm. I mean, you go back to the like the tradition of the Braves organization. The last time they let a middle-of-the-order bat... Uh, run enough to steal 30 bases was Ron Gant. And that was in the early 90s when stolen bases were much more plentiful across the league than they are today. I mean, Andrew Jones was, you know, covered, had as much range maybe as any center fielder ever. And and the most steals he ever got was 25. And that was, I think, only happened a couple times. Like, I I just don't think that's something they're going to ask Cooney to do, though the way his uh, steals broke down leadoff spot versus where anywhere else in the order. I think... Uh, would support that idea. It sounds to me like that was within the spirit of the question. <laughs> I, it no, it was definitely. Like I, it, I won that one again. Definitely was not. Scott, you haven't given your answer for this year's Joey Votto. Well, I don't know that this is really in the spirit either. But it's <laughs> it's the one, it's the one early round hitter who I think is going to be a bust, and that's Javier Baez, who just has such a fine line to walk to get to to maintain elite level production. He has to be one of the league's outliers in terms of home run to fly ball rate and in terms of Babbitt, which is possible, but it's asking a lot two years in a row. Um I yeah, I, I, the fact that he's going ahead his ADP's higher than Jose Altuve. <laughs> uh yeah, that's that's a bad idea. Hey, uh one more thing about the Acuña thing with the steals. Just looking at Ender Inciarte last year, 54 games in the leadoff spot, he stole 15 bases. Mm-hmm. 65 games, batting 6th or 7th, he stole 8 bases. So there you go. Yeah, and like it sounds like they want Acuna either 3rd or 4th. Um, I just can't see them letting him run that much there. All right, who is this year's Blake Snell, young starting pitcher, to take the next step? I'm going with Jack Flaherty. One of the the good things for Snell last year was that he actually pitched a little bit deeper into games. That was something Flaherty really struggled with in the second half. His control was not great. His overall walk per nine numbers, I think, were the same. I uh, know they were still a little worse than Snell's were last year. I think just a small uptick in control for Flaherty as he develops as a pitcher could really take him to the next level. Okay, I'll just say Luis Castillo. I think everybody. Oh, that's yeah. what I was gonna say. Because <laughs> especially because he's coming guy. coming off a bad year, you know. Um, so, all right, Scott, why do you, why are we saying Luis Castillo? Uh, for, I mean, for all the same reasons we liked him as a breakout last year. Now, obviously, he's more affordable. The same way Blake Snell became kind of a post type sleeper, he still has probably the most dominant uh, Castillo. I mean, still has probably the most dominant changeup in all the majors, and uh, it, it not only leads to a lot of swings and misses, but um, he, he's he's not somebody who should be vulnerable to home runs. He he has good control. He he is good at all three 
areas that fit measures. Uh, and I think it's more a matter of command and consistency in terms of his delivery and in terms of you know locating within the strike zone. That's all it's going to take, I think, for him to become uh, a dominant, maybe someone who competes for Cy Young Awards starting pitcher. So I'm I'm very excited to draft him still. Chris, who's this year's Blake Snell? Tyler Glasnow. Okay. <laughs> Do I? You want me to explain it? Yeah, in, t- in ten seconds. When he got to the Rays, he had a three point five two Sierra. Uh, massive swing and miss potential. Seems like a guy who should be able to limit Babbitt because his stuff moves so much. And the Rays showed that they could figure out his control issues. And, okay, I'll give one more name. I'm going to Tyler Skaggs. Don't forget about him. Last five starts, he had a 14.09 ERA. Before that, he had a 2.62 ERA. He just kind of wore down at the end of the year. Well, it was groin injury. He was he he was on and off the DL twice with the same groin injury. He kept going back because he was not right. Yeah, Tyler Skaggs. Yeah, I, I like him a lot, too. Yeah, he's good. Okay, uh, who is this year's Josh Hader, middle relief roto specialist? I'm going with Ryan Presley, who was, I think I talked about it a couple days ago, but just amazing, amazing when he got to the Astros last year. 23 and a third inning, struck out 32 batters, walked three, had a 0.77 ERA and a 0.6 whip. And I don't question the Astros making pitchers better. I was actually going to go with Brad Peacock. Uh, I just felt like there was more of a chance of him pitching multiple innings per outing. Um, but yeah, all right, an Astros pitcher. Anybody else? Sir Anthony Dominguez, oh, who like showed a lot of flashes last season. Looks like with the signing of David Robertson, he's going to be um, a setup middle or middle reliever type. I could see them using him for multiple innings at some points because he was a, a starter as recently as 2017. Um, and his stuff is wild. I, I think Adam Adovino is an obvious answer, answer here. Um, Any Yankee. I, I want to go, I, I want to take it a little further though and say Justice Sheffield. Okay, just to think about all the Yankees guys is I feel like they're one inning at a time. You know, they're all great, but they're pretty much just, they're going to get their inning. Um, Mm -hmm. So do you think Justice Sheffield could be more in the Josh Hader role where we're we're getting, I don't know, maybe more than 80 innings in relief or something like that? I mean, I don't think that's a high probability choice, but in terms of a guy who um, stuff-wise rates very, very highly, it pushes him into the top prospect territory, but there are uh, questions in terms of arsenal, questions in terms of commands. It, it's it's a very similar profile to Josh Hader, and while I don't know that the Mariners are going to be so quick to dedicate him to a relief role, especially in a year where it doesn't look like they're going to contend, uh, I could see it happening. So it should, it's, it's kind of a bold prediction, I guess. It should be noted the Brewers stopped using Harrison Bader, or Josh Hader, in that manner uh, pretty much after May. Yeah, you mean in the multiple inning role? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't. I feel like he wasn't as valuable. No, no. He basically had two really, really great months for fantasy and then was a good but not great non-closer. All right, last guy. Who is this year's... Cole Hamels thought he was done 
But uh, he's not done. Maybe he just needs a trade, something like that. Who's this year's Cole Hamels? I mean, we could say Chris Archer, right, based on yeah, yeah. this was the easiest question you asked. Oh. He's, he's already been moved, and he's already uh, getting the helium, and that is Daniel Murphy. Oh, he got the change hater. of scenery. Yeah. Okay. He went to Coors Field, and he could be just awesome. Okay. Daniel Murphy, yeah. Chris Archer. Yeah, I didn't know where we think we're accounting position players. So Heath makes his own rules. That's a game. Makes his own rules. Teaching his son to play by his own rules. Chris, do you have an answer for this year's Cole Hamels? Um, Dylan Bundy. He's not old. No, but people are done with him for sure. Chris plays by his own rules. No, it doesn't have to be old. Uh, I think people people have totally given up on him. He's 109th among all pitchers, 281st overall. And... The I like or- I like him as a deep sleeper. Too. The Orioles are not good with pitchers. I think we can say that safely after they've failed to develop a good pitcher in like twenty nine years. And and other like guys whenever, have gone on. Jake Arrieta goes yeah. on to the Cubs and wins Cy Young. Whenever Mike Mussina broke into the majors was probably the last good pitcher <laughs> that they developed. I'm not like I'm really That's, not yeah. exaggerating. I, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think he's a guy. There were rumors. Eric but he was with someone else before them, right? Seattle. I don't think so. Right? Okay. No, he was not with Seattle, or he got traded to Seattle? No, he Seattle. went to Seattle afterwards. Yeah, it was oh, the Adam Jones. Trade, Adam right? Jones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Dylan Bundy seems like, I think there were rumors that they might trade him, uh, you know, even at the deadline, let alone over the offseason. He seems like a perfect change of scenery guy. Okay. So the next Joey Votto is Ozzy Albies, maybe Ronald Acuna. I don't remember who Scott said. Who'd Scott say? Javier Baez. Javier Baez. The next, Blake Snell, Jack Flaherty, Luis Castillo, and I don't remember who Chris said. Who did Chris say? I don't think I was given an opportunity to answer that The question. next, Josh Hader, is somebody on the Astros, Ryan Presley for Heath, Brad Peacock for me, Justice Sheffield for Scott, and who did Chris say? I don't remember who Chris said. Oh, Sir Anthony Dominguez. Sir Anthony, that was actually really good. Oh, also Jordan Hicks. And the next, Cole Hamels. Jordan Hicks is- Going to be the lead saves getter in oh, St. Louis, I think. Daniel Murphy, Chris Archer, and Dylan Bundy as the next Cole Hamels. Let's read some emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Again, I do want to thank everybody for all your emails. We're actually getting to the point where I can't read even half of them, and it's only going to get uh, you know more and more emails coming in as we get further in. I'll try to respond to some. Um, just, you know, I'll reply. But here are a bunch of your emails. Emmett from Toronto. In a head-to-head categories league, you guys don't consistently make rankings for this format. Who are some guys who are better or worse in categories than, excuse me, than Roto? I mean, it, I think it depends on whether you have daily or weekly lineups, and I think that applies for both Roto and head-to-head categories. Yeah, I mean, I guess so what, what like, Emmett wants to know is really when we say he ranks this in points, this in Roto. It's, can yeah, they, it's Roto. Can they it's, basically... It's, yeah, it's Roto. No, I know it's I, Roto, but is it basically the same? Is Roto the same as categories it, or are there not, differences? It's not totally the same, but the biggest the biggest changes, I think, have to do with how you structure your league, like Chris was saying. I mean, one other thing I've, I've brought up uh, in regards to head-to-head categories league is... The lineups tend to be smaller than standard Roto, which means you need bigger impacts from every spot. So a single category specialist just doesn't fly for me as much in in head-to-head categories as it would in Roto. Yeah, like Billy Hamilton 
Yeah. Um, yeah, the specific difference. I mean, I think we know that most head-to-head category leagues are on a different site. And they don't have two catchers, and they don't have five outfielders. So and if they look- have very generous uh, position eligibility standards. If, if you're looking at my Roto rankings, you can move the catchers down considerably. There's about 12, 12 too many ranked in the top 250. And you can move the outfielders down just a little bit too as well because you need 60% as many. All right, this is from Adam in San Diego. Can you please talk about Shohei Otani, Ian Happ, and Rugnet Odor? What are their outlooks this year? We already talked about Otani, so we'll talk about Ian Happ and Rugnet Odor. Also, just wanted to share my awesome team name for 2019, Hoochie Kikuchi. I like that. I like that. Uh, yeah, so what do you think about Ian Happ and Rugnet Odor? Are you drafting either guy? <laughs> what? I don't think any of us knew how to respond to that. What? It, it, it sounds it's, it's sad, but it isn't. It's it sounds a little naughty. But it's I'll but it isn't. That. Like we have we have a child in the room, Adam. Lucas is blushing. The hoochie coochie <laughs> was a dance. Right? Like an old timey dance. Adam, please stop saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to Google this now. Um so what happened to Ian Happ? He's basically DTM. Yeah, he's not anywhere close to DTM to me. <laughs> but I still think his ADP is way, way higher than what I would uh, expect last time I looked. I still think the profile doesn't look too bad if he could stop striking out 30% of the time. He never struck out 30% of the time in the minors. Yeah, but, he, but his contact rate is like it was, Joey gallo ass. It was awful last year. It's been awful both seasons is I, the problem. I just don't. Listen, we're, I mean, we're 875 plate appearances into a guy's career. There's still there's still reason for hope. I, there's been some talk. Maybe the Cubs trades Ben Zobrist that has been brought up. I don't I don't think it actually happens. And the first um, month or two months of the season, they don't have Addison Russell. So Javi Baez has to play shortstop. Yeah, I think it's the yeah. first 40 games. And, and I don't I don't know that it's crazy to think but Baez could stick at shortstop all year. But the but the point is, I still don't really see an opportunity for a bats there, especially since, I mean, he has to, his performance has to go over the top to uh, force his way into that lineup. I almost wonder if there's like a vision issue with him uh, because he was more selective last year. He stopped swinging basically 42.8% of the time he swung, which is really low. And he still had a 63.5% contact rate, which is Joey Gallo-esque. Uh, what's the answer? Are we drafting in half? I, well, DTM. What does that mean to you? I was looking. I, I was googling the word that I said. I probably shouldn't have said that team name. <laughs> uh, Ian Happ is a fine late round uh, reserve pick with upside, but I'm. I think it's a very low probability. Okay, and uh, how about Rugnet Odor? I don't really know what to make of Rugnet Odor. To be honest, uh, he's because second base is so thin. He is somebody who I may well draft in mixed leagues, but it wouldn't be for be before the middle rounds. It would, you know, I'd take Dozier um, over him, and like Labor Torres over him. I, I I feel like he needs to be to 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 really stand out in today's environment. Profar has to be a big power hitter. Odor, Odor, Odor. Yeah. What who did I say? Profar. Profar. I. I would say the most likely outcome for these two players is that Rugnet Odor and Ozzy Albies have the same season, and Odor is available 80, 80 spots later. 
I think that Odor is someone that you probably don't want to take in a points league unless it's deep, because yeah. even at his best... Now, his, his walk rate did increase last year, but he's still really bad with plate discipline. Uh, but in Roto, like he was the number 12 second baseman in Roto last year, and he only played 129 games. So um, there's, you know, there's something there. He just, he's he so that, streaky, so like, streaky. M- mid-season surge where he looked like the best player in baseball. and then, Well, he's always been in a very streaky hitter. I think yeah. we all knew that from the beginning of his career. But it seems like year-long streaks are happening. Uh, he had a 50-game stretch with, a, yeah, I, know. I, I think just I ignore it. Just ignore he, it. He's had to get a dunk in because we just talked about Ian Happ, his worst call ever. <laughs> A uh, 50-game stretch with a 10-24 OPS for Rugnet Odor kind of made his whole season. Uh, this is from Brian in L.A. Hey, Sora, Riku, and Kairi. Those are the lead characters from the Kingdom Hearts franchise. <laughs> Dork. Starting a new 12-team, sorry, head-to-head categories league with some friends. Some Own of, it, Adam. Don't apologize. Some of whom are first-time fantasy baseball players. My co-commission is used to daily lineup leagues. The league I've done for four years has only ever been a weekly lineup league. Which format do you recommend or most enjoy, especially if you want to ease some people into the game? Those are two very separate questions. I think the second one is obviously weekly. It's, you're, it's, you're asking yes. less, less of the owners. Right. Yeah. If you have four new fantasy baseball players and you're playing in a daily league, I would expect two of them are going to stop paying attention in May. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, play. By May in daily leagues, I'm pretty much at the point where I still set my lineup once a week. I just go individually each day and and hope and no injuries happen. That's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, but but then again, you know, Scott probably plays in fifteen or more leagues. That's true. If you're only like, in one league, I, I you do, might be able to handle it. I yeah. I do concede. I I can see the argument that. Uh, daily would raise engagement level to the point like people become hooked to it, but you're going to probably have to weed out a lot of bad seeds before that happens. And I would assume first-time fantasy baseball players means they've played fantasy football before, and the closest you get to fantasy football is weekly lineups. All right, this is from... where? Who's your, who are you? Connor from Connor. Was there a noticeable change in league-wide BABIP last year or in recent years as a result of the increased usage of shifts? I actually responded to this. I know, and it was interesting. That's why I put it in the email. Uh, Last year, league-wide BABIP was 296. Over the last 10 years, every single year, it's been between 295 and 300. And there's no trend because the year before it was 300. Go back further than that. And dating back to 1994 or 1993... It's basically been in that range. It, it's remarkable how little Babbitt changes. It spiked in the early 90s, but then ever since then, it has stayed basically within five points. That's wild. I mean, that's, that's yeah, very I, weird. It makes me think the shifting is overblown as a, as a cause for changes in the game. I think strikeouts and home runs have changed the game considerably more than shifting. And walks. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like it's it's less a widespread problem than what it's done for individuals. The shifting. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if there's a, ch- a way. There probably isn't, but to know what Babip's been like for lefties, because uh, I could look that up. Okay, yeah. All right, look it up. Jason from somewhere in the frozen tundra. I've been playing fantasy football for a while now. I just joined my first fantasy baseball league. Um, I have no idea how to play, and I, and I haven't been able to find a lot of good advice for beginners. Can you guys do uh, spend a few minutes giving us fantasy baseball newbies some tips to get started? Scott, give him some tips to get started. 
Well, if you're if you're coming from football, uh, I will contrast it to football. And the biggest difference is, um, first of all, if you're playing in a categories league, you're you're not taking the sum of a player's total contributions. It's kind of like ten individual competitions uh, for different categories. So you kind of have to gauge how well-rounded a player is, as opposed to just how good he is. If it's a points league, it's simple. That's more like football, and you can just take overall production. Uh, I, I would also say a big difference is just the number of positions. It's eight in the standard fantasy baseball league versus um, what is it in football? Five, six. But like in, in in football, those positions are all so radically different that you don't approach any of them the same way. And in baseball, you're you're kind of trying to. Uh, uh, that's what the tiers approach is all about. You're kind of trying to. Uh, get similar production from every spot, but they, they all kind of drop off at a disproportionate rate. So you have to gauge how deep all of the positions are in that way. Uh, pitching versus hitting is a big thing in fantasy baseball because they're both so different, but equally impactful. Um, and so that's another matter of gauging how quickly each depletes in your particular format. Uh, I also recommend a points league to get started. Yeah, certainly if you're coming over from football, because that's more what you're used to. At and the very I least, actually prefer it. At but. the very least, head-to-head categories. You need that. You're going to need that head-to-head aspect. Yeah. Yep. Weekly lineup points league, or probably a weekly lineup head-to-head categories league. That's the best way to get started. And uh, just listen to the show, and you'll pick up on everything. Josh right, and Adam. Yeah. Oh, go. I've looked it up. Oh. Uh, there is basically no rhyme or reason for. Uh, Babbitt changes for left-handed hitters. Like it has gone down over the last three years, but that's mostly because 2007 was, or sorry, 2013 was a weirdly high season. But for, actually, no, it's it's been basically the same. There's been like it, it it hasn't fluctuated over the last 17 years more than nine thousandths of a point. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. All right, uh, this is from Josh in New York City. Is punting saves a good idea in a 6 by 6 head-head categories league? With every category you add, I think it gets easier because that's mainly what you're drafting relievers to do is get saves. Uh, I I, I think it also... It it might be a little easier because I I could see how it'll be harder to compete for saves if the, the, the trend's... If what started last year becomes a trend and more teams go away from the dedicated closer, uh, it, unless you just happen to land two or three of them, you might be chasing your tail as I, far as saves goes. I, I think, it, A, it makes much more sense to punt a category in head-to-head categories than it does full-season roto, especially if it's a 1-0 type weekly categories yeah. league as opposed to a each category is worth a point in the standings. So it's a six, six uh, that probably didn't make any sense the way I said it. You get one win per week rather than up to 12. Right. Basically. I, I think your focus in this scenario should be to target really, really good middle relievers and setup men. You punt saves on draft day, but that doesn't necessarily mean you punt saves. Right, right. You just see what's available on waivers because there are always so many changes in terms of who's getting saves. Here's one from Zeke in Alexander City, Alabama. 
Couple of questions. I'm in a head-to-head points keeper league. There's no limit on how many you can keep. So when the draft comes, it's tough to draft really good players. I have the first two picks of my draft. Am I wrong for taking Kikuchi and Hampson one and two? Uh, let's answer that. Kind of a tough. You know, you, there's a lot of context we don't have here. But <laughs> do those feel like guys who are great values in deep keeper leagues? Kikuchi and Hampson. We're all having trouble answering this question because you skipped a couple questions and we're trying to follow along. I so two questions, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to answer this without having any concept of what else is available. He doesn't even tell us how many players are being keep, no kept, limit. right? Uh, There's no keep limit. everybody. I just don't. Yeah. I, and yeah, this is something that Scott and I disagree with Heath about. I don't think Kikuchi is going to be enough of an impact player in fantasy um, that he's going to be someone that you desperately need to target. Well, it is a points league, which helps a lot. Because my biggest concern with Kikuchi is that he's just not a big strikeout accumulator. I worry about innings. Yeah, I mean, he has had some health issues, but he's an efficient pitcher. So at least on a start-by-start basis, I feel like the innings should be there. He he averaged over seven innings per start his last two years, to be honest. If we're assuming, since as many players can be kept, that um, most are kept and most owners are you know, filling just a handful of spots, uh, I would imagine since neither of these guys was highly valued at the end of last year, they would be among the higher-ranked available players. Okay, last question from, uh, from this emailer, Zeke. Who do you like more, Willie Adamas, Rosario, or Profar? I like Profar by far the most. I think we all do. I I didn't bring it up yesterday, but I don't really like Profar very much. I I like him more than this group, but I think Ahmed Rosario has more upside because of the stolen bases potential. Although this is I a mean, head-to-head points. Profar list. was 10 for 10 in steals last year. The mm-hmm. Athletics only stole 35 bases as a team, though. Yeah, Profar. They're not going to let him run. I used to like Coco Chris Brun back in the day. Yeah, I don't we'll know. see. 10 for 10. I mean, that's that's efficient. That's pretty good. All right, this is the only show you're going to hear about Eric Bedard and Coco Crisp. I can guarantee you that. Have a good weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk to you. uh, I don't know if it's going to be Monday or Tuesday, but certainly we'll be back at least three times next week with some more fantasy baseball coverage for you. And Lucas Cummings, thank you for joining us. Adios, everybody. Have a great weekend.